This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. How's the calendar looking? Uh, well, once again, our schedule is undoable. And yet we will do it. Yes, we will. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In today's episode, we're going to talk about decisions and being aware of what kind of decision maker you are. We've also got a special from the outer office featuring our former assistant, Brooke Sitgraves-Turner. It's been a long time since Brooke sat at an assistant's desk. Brooke is also the source of this week's Hollywood hack, which is something I wish I'd started doing years ago. Yes, but first we have an update. So... When uh, season two of Fantasy Island got picked up, it was also announced, which we've talked about, but it was also announced that we have a Fantasy Island holiday special coming up. The air date is December 21st, which seems like that's like in 15 minutes. I know. It's (laughs) insane. And um, yeah, Sarah, it's a two-hour holiday movie. Um, It's very fun and romantic. Everybody should watch it to get into the holiday spirit. And also, we want to mention that you can watch Fantasy Island on Hulu and Fox.com. So catch up on everything you've missed. And then December 21st, watch our holiday special. With a nice mug of hot cocoa. Yes. Cocoa features prominently. Spoiler (laughs) alert. Okay, Sarah, it's time for From the Treadmill Deaths Of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's... What kind of decision maker are you? Yes, this is something we have been noticing in other people and sort of analyzing in ourselves. Yes. And it's interesting because the kind of decision maker you are is not a judgment. It's not like it's good to be this kind or bad to be this kind. It's really about just knowing what kind you are so you can maximize that. And so you can be aware, is that the kind of decision maker you want to be? Right. And is it the best way to make a decision in this given situation? Maybe sometimes it's better to get input or not. Anyway, so we came up with kind of four kinds of decision makers. Yes. Um, And the first one is decision by committee. Someone who wants to make everyone happy, wants to get everyone's point of view sort of make everyone feel like they have an equal say in the decision that gets made. And obviously that's good if you are kind of leading a team and you want buy-in from everyone. Yes, but it can be difficult because it can be inefficient to say the least. So 
Although we're not judging the kinds of decisions, we will point out this isn't always the most efficient. And in a sense, it might lack a certain transparency because at the end of the day, someone has to be the decision maker. Right. And at a certain point in the um, I'm trying to please everyone approach, you can end up pleasing no one. So it's a risky approach. Yes. But sometimes it's good. It has advantages and disadvantages, but there definitely are people who like to make decision by committee. And then, Sarah, our next kind of decision um, is decision with input. So you hear what people have to say, and then you make an independent decision. And this is the kind of decision maker that you are. I am. (laughs) Like, I like to get a lot of input from people. Like, I'll ask you, what do you think of, like, if I'm getting a car, what do you think of this particular kind of car? What I would ask my dad, what do you think of this particular kind of car? What do you, a dishwasher, these are the pros and cons, you know, anything from large to small, from moving to Ojai to, you know, what kind of shoes? Well, I know what kind of shoes I like. What kind of car? (laughs) (laughs) To who we cast in a role. Yeah, exactly. Although that's that is a that's a dual decision. But I definitely like to gather lots and lots of information from others and get different people's opinions. And then I make the decision sometimes based on that and sometimes not. But I definitely take everyone else's opinions into account. And then it makes me feel more comfortable when I make the decision. It's like my security blanket. But what I admire about you, Sarah, is when you make a decision, you're very confident in your decision. You don't then waver and question, did I make the right decision? Once you make that decision, whether it's in line with what others think you should do or not, you are firm. You don't look back. Right. But I think that's because I got all the input Uh before. I think that helps me feel good about it. And then Liz... (laughs) (laughs) We were talking about this. You said that you are a path of least resistance decision maker. (laughs) Yes. And that might not be the best way to make decisions. But a lot of times, I mean, I just don't want to deal with like the conflict. I get nervous about going up against somebody. And that's whether it be someone at work or my mother. You know what I mean? I'm just like... (laughs) So I go just path of least resistance. And I'm not saying that that's a good thing. I will say a lot of times, though, it doesn't matter. There are many decisions where the path of least resistance is absolutely a good decision. Yes. So, you know, you have to look at the situation. And that's part of being aware of what kind of decision maker you are. Like we were saying If something's really important, you don't necessarily want to take the path of least resistance. But if it's not important, you don't necessarily want to spend your time gathering input from 10 people because it doesn't really matter. So it's look at the situation and gauge what the best action is. If you're a path of least resistance decision maker and you know that and it's an important decision, you can be like, okay, this is a time when I'm not going to approach it this way, which is how yes. I feel you are. You're not that way on on like big stuff. I try not to be, yes. <laughs> and then our fourth method for decision-making that we have noticed is following your gut. 
So there are people who just do what their gut tells them. They don't ask for information. Yeah. They don't, you know, look around. They just go. They don't think what... about the big picture. Uh, yes. They don't care who they piss off. They're <laughs> just like, this is my gut and this is what I'm doing. And you and I were discussing this and noticing it does seem to be more of a male method of decision making. Yes. I don't know if this is accurate, but this is how I perceive like Elon Musk, for example. Like he's just like, I'm going to do this. And, you know, I mean, big things can happen that way. It works out for some people. Uh, And it's interesting, Sarah, because you and I have, you know, one of the things we have said we want to do more of in season two of Fantasy Island is follow our gut. So we're trying to embrace a bit of this decision-making. Yeah, of not second-guessing, of yes. just being like, this is right, and we can tell yes. because our gut says so. Yes. Now, what I will point out to you, having been to Vegas with you many, many times, is there is nothing more annoying at the blackjack table than a someone who follows their gut for decision-making because there yes. are rules <laughs> in blackjack and when you hit and when you stay and when someone is following their gut, it messes up the whole table. The whole table. And I have <laughs> been at that table with you and we're both rule followers. Yes. And it is not fun when that person is like, oh, hit. My what gut the tells hell? me it's going to be a two. Yeah. <laughs> My gut tells me Liz is going to punch you if you yeah. do that again. <laughs> Now, Sarah, I think decision-making is so interesting. We're always talking about it. Um, I want to remind our listeners that if they want to hear more about the strategy of decision-making, they can go back and listen to episode 179 of Happier in Hollywood when we talked to Annie Duke, who, speaking of Vegas, was an incredibly successful professional poker player who wrote a book about the strategy of decision-making. Yes, it's called How to Decide, and we'll put a link to it in our show notes. And then we also want to know, are there other kinds of decision makers that we haven't thought of? Let us know, listeners, if they're, if you're a different kind of decision maker, if there's, if there's another category we should include in our decision making analysis. Yes. Let us know and we will share it with everybody. Coming up, we are talking to someone who many of our listeners know well from the podcast, our former assistant turned rising TV writer, Brooke Sitgraves-Turner. Okay, it is time for From the Outer Office, where we talk to our assistants and former assistants, in this case, um, about what it's like to be in the outer office. But today we have Brooke Sitgraves-Turner, who has not been in the outer office for many years now. But Brooke was our assistant way back in the day, and then we gave her her first staff writer job on The Fix. And she has gone on to be on other shows. And now Brooke happily is back with us on Fantasy Island as an executive story editor. Welcome, Brooke. Welcome. Thanks, y'all. Hi. So you are officially like climbing the writer's room ladder. You are now an executive story editor. How does it feel? It's scary. Okay. (laughs) But also exciting. I did call a friend. I'm like, I'm really, because, you know, you wait for moments to get bumps. Yes. And that's really exciting. Do you want to explain what that is? It's essentially when you get bumped from the level you were to the next level. It's like a promotion, I guess, in a normal job. And you wait for the moments, but you also want to do a really good job. And you're also like, well, what's the expectation of me now that my title has changed? And a friend of mine was just like, look, forget about your title. 
when you go in these rooms, you forget about your title. You're just in service of the show and just do your job and you'll be fine. But people get caught up in the fact that, like, they've gotten a promotion and they get in their head. So they were just like, let it go. Well, that's good so advice. that's what I've done. That is good advice. Yeah. As someone who's sort of watched your rise very closely, I definitely see a change in you. You seem a lot more confident, I would say, in the room. Do you feel more confident or are you just, uh, what's the Fake phrase? Fake it till you make Faking it. Fake it till you make it. <laughs> Um, no, yeah, I think you get used to the fact, like, when you start out, you're very much, like, taking it personally when someone's like, I don't like that idea. And you get used to the fact that, like, we're just in the room brainstorming. You're not an idiot if you come up with something that doesn't work. So just sort of jump out there and share the idea. And if it doesn't work, it's fine. And it might lead people down the road to something else. We talked about yes anding in the room the other day. That's also, like, I feel like when you're starting out a really good tool to use, if you're kind of too nervous to sort of go out and share, like, your own original thing, it's good to just build off of other people in the room, too. Yeah, explain that. Yeah, so yes anding, I feel like I learned about it. I took an improv class, actually, because I'm, like, really nervous about public speaking and just, like, in general, <laughs> in general, talking in big groups is, like, not my favorite thing. So I took an improv class because I wanted to get better at it, and they talk about yes anding, which is... You know, if you're in a scene with your group and someone's sort of thrown out an idea, instead of just, like, shutting it down, you build off of it. So what the example, what example did um, Adam give the other oh, day? Oh, yes. We were talking about this in the writer's room. He said it was from Second City, right, that Joan Rivers was in Second City very, very briefly, and she was the no person. It would be like... The setup would be, let's talk about our kids. And and sh- and her thing was, well, we don't have kids. And it got a big laugh, but you can't build anything from that if you're in a group. So they adopted this yes and philosophy. Yes, we have kids. We have 41 kids. Or I mean, I don't know. I'm not a comedy person. But <laughs> <laughs> that, you, that you build on what the person says instead of uh, shutting it down. Yeah, yeah. So that takes a lot of pressure off. I think, and also just in general, is a good thing to do because you're working on a team and you're all working towards the same goal and, you know, just work together. Yeah, I mean, I do think it is so useful to just fully understand that most of what all of us say is ultimately rejected. You know, that's why it takes a long Mm -hmm. time to break a story, because the vast majority of what everyone says, including the showrunners, doesn't work. It takes a long time to get there. So the more you throw out, the more you then will have something that lands. And also the less important Mm -hmm. one idea is. If you're only pitching one idea a day, suddenly that idea becomes important. If you're just pitching (laughs) all the time, you don't get so invested. And so it does seem like you, I mean, again, like Sarah said, as an outside observer, you seem much more willing to put yourself out there, which, you know, kudos to you, Brooke, because we would talk to you about this on The Fix. And we'd be like, we want to hear from you. And we know how intimidating it is. I mean, when we started on Angel, Sarah remembers, I could not speak. And I mean, physically couldn't get my voice out. I was And you're a talker. And I am a, I, like a squeak would come out. It was torture, <laughs> 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. 
So anyway, I feel everyone's pain in this, but it's wonderful that you've worked through it and taking the improv class. I mean, I'm that's a piece of advice that we're yeah. throwing out there to anybody. We always said we were going to do it's that, terrifying. but we never did. I know. You actually too did scared. it. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. It's so bad. But then when you're in the room, you're just like, remember that time <laughs> you had to get on a stage and improv with actors and you're not one? It's not as bad as that. Yeah. Well, here's a question I want to know, Brooke. What is the most fun part about, because we always say it's a fun job and we enjoy it. What is mm-hmm. the most fun part for you and what is the least fun? Uh, Okay. The most fun, I would say, is we get to sit around and just make up things. Mm-hmm. You know, that's uh-huh. great. Like, who else gets to do that all day? So that's really wonderful. And you get to, especially on this show, there's a lot of fantasy and fun. And so... It's great to be in the room every day and get to have fun. Oh, good. Uh, so that's nice. The worst part? Oh, man. Yeah. I haven't figured. I mean. Getting hmm, notes? Give me a mo- no, I don't actually mind getting notes. Um, I've gotten good at that, too. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just like, you're... listen, <laughs> it's fine. I, if, if it, maybe it's all good. Yeah. Maybe you're one of the people that, you know, loves the job in all aspects. I do love the job. I think it gets tricky when you have personalities in the room that perhaps are not always in the light. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I, things get hard and schedules get crazy and like that's fine and you kind of get through it. But it's really important, I think, to have people in the room that are able to do that with some grace and like understand that everyone's in the shit and it's bad, but like it'll be fine, you know? Um but when other things start to play in, it gets tricky. And that's why it's hard for this room because everyone's so great. So I don't have any complaints. We do have such a good room. We do. But in fairness, we just started. So we haven't gotten to that part oh, yeah. where the craziness kicks in. Brooke, if you see um, Sarah and me not handling with grace, you can just say, like, let's step into the light. And we'll we'll, yeah. we'll ladies, know what you mean. Step yeah, into the light. Step into the light. Maybe that'll be our motto, Sarah. We were saying we need a motto yeah. for this season. Maybe it's stay in the light. Stay in the light. That's appropriate for Fantasy Island. <laughs> or you could get to stepping. Yeah. Oh, that's right. One of our other oh, favorite motto. That we can't do in this job. No. We got to stick it out. <laughs> Here's my question, Brooke. Have you been packing and planning for Puerto Rico? Because there's definitely some time uh, in Puerto Rico in your future. (laughs) I'm so excited. Well, you know, I've been traveling a lot, so I just left my suitcase fully packed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and by the door, I'm ready to go. I have a go bag. Oh, nice. A Puerto Rico go Liz bag. Liz has oh, some pants recommendations that she'll <laughs> yes. share. And we I have sure bag do. recommendations. So yes. you'll be ready. Yes. We'll set you up. Well, Brooke, thank you for joining us. It is so much fun for us thank that you're you. back in our lives on a daily basis. I know. It's so nice to see you every day. It really and is And watching great. your ascent is so much fun for us. So we will keep checking in with Brooke as she um, continues to climb the ladder and see how you're doing and get your evolving advice for everybody. Thanks, y'all. See you in about an hour. Coming up, we have a Hollywood hack courtesy of Brooke, but first this break.
Okay, Liz, it's time for this week's Hollywood hack, which is courtesy of Brooke. She always keeps a blanket in her trunk. We were talking about this in the writer's room. um, And this is, I think, something that has emerged from the pandemic for her, that when she goes out to eat at a restaurant, she sits outside and it's so nice to have like a cozy little blanket to put over her lap. <laughs> yes, which makes sense because I am one of those people that is always cold at an outdoor restaurant. And so having a blanket and you want it to be your own blanket in COVID, you know, just germs yes. wise is such a good idea. I wish I'd done this like 15 years ago, Sarah, because, you know, I'm always cold And then Brooke also pointed out it's nice to have a blanket if you want to sit on the grass or have, you know, have a sort of impromptu picnic with takeout. There are many, many times when a blanket is a useful item, and it seems odd that we don't all have one in our trunk. I know. Well, and it's interesting, too, because, you know, we're now meeting as a writing staff twice a week around your fire pit because it's outside and we can be kind of far apart from each other and it feels very safe, but also we're in person, which is so great. And you have a huge supply of really cozy blankets at home. Yes. So you can just take one and throw it in your trunk. Yes, I am going to do that. And Sarah, you know what's interesting is we did a hack a long time ago that reminded me of this, but is sort of no longer relevant, which is we had a hack that actors should have an extra change of clothes in their trunk in case they got called into an audition but no one goes to live auditions anymore. They're all self-taped. So it's interesting how certain things emerge, like it makes sense to keep a blanket in your trunk and other things go away. Yes. Hopefully that will happen again. We'll get back to a time at some point where things are happening in person more again. And then at that point, actors who are listening, remember, <laughs> yes, <laughs> keep, keep a change of yes. clothes in your trunk. Yes. But for the moment, just uh, get a ring light. Yeah. A ring light and a cozy blanket in the trunk. Yes. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love to hear from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please follow us if you haven't already. Thank you so much to Brooke Sitgraves-Turner for joining us today. You can follow her on Instagram at Brooke Sitgraves. And thanks to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed. Thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. And thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts. Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing from Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at SFain and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Liz, when I picked Violet up from school yesterday, she was like, did you see Nacho? Did you get to see Nacho today? (laughs) I was like, yes, we get to see him on breaks and I get to rub his belly. Well, and what I realized is his name is Nacho and you have Cheesy. So between us, we have Nacho Cheesy. Yeah, Nacho Cheesy and crackers.
And I do love nachos and crackers and cheese. So it all works. I also have a brownie guinea pig. So if anyone's hungry. (laughs) (laughs) And I have Toblerone and pesto. Hope you like right, that. more food items. Yeah. And when like my chickens eat. are Oreo and cookie. <laughs> <laughs> no one will go hungry here. Yeah. From the Onward Project.